Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, hello to all our dear friends around this beautiful world, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I am Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Well, ready or not, here I come. Yes, that's what many of us might say to the world or to our new, often unsuspecting parents as we come into a new incarnation here on Earth. So today we'll talk about a soul's perspective on birth. Well, oddly enough, we just were spiritual midwives for a couple of our friends who were birthing their third baby. And I'd like to send out a warm congratulations to Pedro and Catherine and their beautiful baby son. I've been a spiritual midwife to assist quite a few pregnancies and births over the years now. Michael's been a spiritual midwife in even more pregnancy and birth experiences, including those of his two sons. What is a spiritual midwife, you might ask? A midwife, without the spiritual added to it, of course, is someone who assists in the birthing process, the physical birthing process. A spiritual midwife is one who assists the incarnating soul and the soul of the parents and others involved in the birth process on a spiritual level. And a spiritual, a regular midwife can be a spiritual midwife as well if she has had the training or is highly aware. Like most midwives, the spiritual midwife usually is asked to be involved in the whole process of the incoming soul incarnating into this world. This means often the parents-to-be may ask the spiritual midwife to counsel them on a spiritual level, even at the point of making their decision to bring in a soul to be their child. In other words, before they even get pregnant, they ask for counseling to work with the soul that will be their child. We would have a lot more capable beings coming into this world if every parent did this, I think. In our way of being spiritual midwives, we might be asked by the parents-to-be to give them clairvoyant counseling insofar as the pre-existing relationships between the potential incoming soul and themselves and any other siblings that are already incarnating in that family. So far, we've never seen any soul choose a set of parents with whom it didn't already have a long-standing relationship or contract over prior lifetimes. Of course, Michael and I, for years now, due to our schedules, travel, and of course, teaching workload, haven't been able to accept being a spiritual midwife for anyone, except in very rare occasions, for close friends who are already trained clairvoyants themselves. When the parents-to-be are themselves highly trained and experienced clairvoyants, The whole process of pregnancy and birthing takes on a different meaning. 
as well, they can do most of the work themselves and would be able to easily follow spiritual guidance. Interestingly enough, the more a soul learns to depend on the way of spirit in this world, the more self-sufficient it becomes in its incarnation. Many parents view having a child as more of a physical and emotional event that begins with whatever preliminary decision, communication, and preparations they undergo as potential parents. The more the parents-to-be communicate with each other about all aspects of starting a family, the more prepared and grounded they will usually be when they conceive and go through the pregnancy. Well-prepared parents may plan for their expanding family medical and health care options. Many even begin planning financially and establish a budget for the raising of the child. Even just the consideration on a physical, emotional, financial, and educational level of childbearing may seem overwhelming. Who would want to expand their awareness of the child-to-be to include the real person being born as an immortal soul that he or she is someone who is already a whole spiritual person, probably even more capable than the parents? Yet, the more spiritually prepared that the incoming soul and the parents-to-be are for this incarnation prior to the birth, the easier the experience will be for everyone involved. For That's for doggone sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know exactly how many births I've been a spiritual midwife in over the decades. Decades. <laughs> hey, we're talking about decades now. <laughs> Some I've physically been present at, and uh, others I participated remotely. Because on a spiritual level of midwifery, I guess, (laughs) you could do it long distance as well. And because it's all done on a more clairvoyant level in spirit, there's no time or space on that level. In fact, my first experiences attending to births was in hospitals when I was uh, uh, a nurse from about 18 to 20 years old. My experiences as a spiritual midwife were considerably different from those experiences when I attended the birth as a nurse. I'd have to say, I'd have to say that the births with spiritual midwives were all quite amazing and proceeded with far more ease and grace. Most of them were completely natural at home births with no medical intervention needed. And besides the birthing process being immeasurably easier on the mothers, the most amazing aspects were how the babies came into this world. For example, when my second son was born at home, besides his mother, the nurse midwife, and myself, he was immediately greeted by 38 (laughs) clairvoyant friends of ours and spiritual midwives who all converged into the bedroom from all over the place, (laughs) just minutes before his crowning. That's pretty good timing. We couldn't have scheduled that. (laughs) As soon as the nurse midwife handed uh, handed him over to me, he 
looked right at me and distinctly, out loud, said, hi. (laughs) (laughs) I tied and cut his umbilical cord and gave him to his mother. And after that, I handed him over to the first person standing against one wall in this relatively small bedroom to whom he also said hi out loud to and and he got passed around amongst all the people in the room before he got back to his mom (laughs) so it was a very not only celebratory but social (laughs) occasion for my son of course I went to the kitchen to whip up enough pasta to serve everyone for dinner And then I collapsed into a bed for about an hour, I think. (laughs) The baby was in great hands. I didn't have to worry about that. Actually, about 80 of the hands. (laughs) About 40 people in the house. Yeah. (laughs) And so I slept like a baby. (laughs) Every child that I know of that was born with spiritual midwives participating had a great start for their incarnation especially those whose parents had a lot of spiritual guidance and communication from their spiritual midwives from conception to birth, worked out so much of their prior karmic cycles with the incoming soul and with each other. And once the baby was born, a lot of what makes life intense and challenging when that baby is born was mitigated by all the spiritual work and communication that was uh, done prior to the birth. Having and raising a baby is a lot of work, mind you, but (laughs) no matter which way you go, it's a lot of work. (laughs) And there's kudos going out to every single mother out there, mother, grandmother, auntie, anyone who takes care of those children. And father. And father, of course. And a lot of, you know, sometimes uh, relatives and whatnot. And um, with the spiritual preparations and healing work before birth, however, life gets so much more harmonious, requiring much less effort. So what is it like for the soul that's coming in for a new incarnation? Well, personal experience. (laughs) Just prior to my birth into this incarnation, one of my experiences was that of floating above my mother in her hospital bed, in Japan. She had gotten herself out of her bed and she was using this little two-step step tool stool. She used to get herself out of the bed to start exercising. <laughs> she used it like an old-fashioned non-moving manual stairmaster with only a couple of steps. Up and down, up and down. She went up and down those two steps. I didn't hear what she was saying at the time, but years later in my life, she confessed to me that at the time she was repeating to herself, come out, baby, come out, baby. (laughs) Come out, little baby. Yeah, come out, little baby, come out, little baby. Because she was getting bored (laughs) and tired of being pregnant. Don't blame her. Well, shortly after her Sturmaster training, (laughs) she went into labor. That was what she was trying to do, is go into labor. And I don't remember much at this point of what I was aware of at the time of her labor. I do remember a blazing swirl of colors and lights 
as I sped through the portal of time and space into my tiny physical body when I came in. My memories intermittent of that experience and of being born, but it was similar, the beginning of it was similar to my experience of coming to back into my body shortly after uh, several of my deaths. Your near-death experiences. Yeah, near-death ex- what's called near-death experiences. When I dropped dead, heart stopped everything and for a while, and then I returned to the body, kick-started everything. And in that experience, it's like it, the world at first, when you first come into the body, at least for me, and each of these times, not just the birth, but coming back from a, a near-death experience, it's like the world isn't like what you see normally. It was a world of swirling lights and energy and colors and sounds, very amorphous, that gradually took form and organized in my mind as the world most of us recognize with, you know, objects and things and, and the ground and sky and all that kind of stuff. When my sons were about six and eight years old, playing in the backyard, Rafi and I were talking about the pre-birth experience of a child we both knew. That child was aware of being spirit before his birth and recalled even looking for his first choice mother. And he had a little hard time finding her for at first and thought he might have to go uh, seek out another backup plan mother. <laughs> but then he found the mother of his choice. Well, yes, you know, we can seek out who we'd like to have as our mother prior to our birth. That's all set up for each of our births. And we might even have to have a backup plan or two in the event our first choice mother isn't available for some reason. Change of plans. This happens too. Well, in this particular child's situation, he was able to finally locate his first choice mother and came into the world and incarnation through her. This well, was a story that this child told us. Yes. Or the child's mother, actually. Yeah. When he was five, he told his, his mother that story. When my younger son overheard our conversation, he ran up to us and declared, well, when I was in spirit before I was born, I was in a white room and it had the picture of my parents on the wall. When I was ready, I went through a tunnel and everything turned all black for a moment and then I was born. <laughs> he laughed and then he ran back to resume his playing with his brother. <laughs> well, often, if we can communicate with a child young enough about his or her pre-birth experience as a soul, he or she would be able to give us a glimpse into the incoming soul's experience of the pre-birth and birth experience. When I heard my son describe his experience, I remembered that when I experienced my birth experience in one of my ancient Egyptian lifetimes, it was quite similar to his. I was in a waiting space, much like a waiting room, from which I was able to see my mother-to-be in labor on the bed. When the 
moment arrived for me to be born, I remembered going through a tunnel-like tube and everything turned black momentarily before I found myself in my newborn body. Talk about, um, in the show last week, we talked about planning and preparations we go through as souls to the content to the conception of our body-to-be as well as through the pregnancy time leading up to birth. But this may be a good time to go a bit more into exactly what kind of planning we can do as souls for an incarnation. So we will be talking about this a little bit more after the break. And meanwhile, I'd like to talk about some things we have coming up here. Our first break is coming up, so I'd like to invite you to join us for our next teleclass in our ongoing series, You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think, which is taking place on Saturday, November 23rd. That's in a couple of Saturdays from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time, and it's happening on your phone. That's why it's a teleclass. Our upcoming teleclass will be, or the title will be for this particular uh, teleclass is... Your sixth chakra, clairvoyance, abstract intuition, and your destiny. We're going through all the chakras in this series. And if you'd like to listen to the ones before this, you can always uh, call our office and pick that up. Remember, too, if you can't be on the phone in person, ah, I just did this. At the time we're teaching the class, you can sign up for the class and receive an MP3 audio download. All the past teleclass audio downloads are available as well. Just go to our website, michaeltamora.com, events calendar, for November 23rd to get all the details. If you have any other questions about these classes or to sign up, you can also call our office at 530-926-2650, Monday to Friday, business hours specific time. We will return in a couple minutes and we'll continue with our fun conversation about Ready or Not, Here I Come, A Soul's Perspective on Birth. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. Hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you are looking to deepen your understanding of karma, the law of attraction, metaphysics, mindfulness, and intuition, be sure to tune in each week for You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind with host Katherine Potter. Catherine and her insightful guests will show how everything interconnects, explaining concepts and modalities that connect the mind and body. It's a refreshing look at the universe and the laws that govern it. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to lead up 
as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Colleen Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready or Not, Here I Come. We've been exploring today a soul's perspective on being born. Raphael, were you ready <laughs> or not? <laughs> I, think I, I think I was, actually. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about um, the different kinds of factors that souls can choose in setting up their new incarnation? And in particular, do you, do you recall any of yours coming into this lifetime as well? I think I'm going to answer the second question first. Um, first off, having the memory of birth or pre-birth in adulthood is extremely, extremely rare. Uh, Michael is one of the rare people that does remember his pre-birth experience. So no, I don't actually specifically have any memories that I was able to uh, retain into adulthood. You know, a lot of times we drop those kind of memories by the time we're five years old. Yeah, like, um, like I don't remember, you know. Uh, Where you left your keys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I put my clothes on this morning? <laughs> well, you know, there are many, many factors of choosing your incarnation, and they go on so many levels. Um, you know, one just has to do with what you want to accomplish as a soul in a lifetime. Sometimes uh, what type of body that you end up having doesn't matter to you just give me a body I want to I want to get this done or um, I would like to have a body type that would allow me to really be with my family and have my whole lifetime uh, be around learning around family but other factors are what karmic aspects do a soul uh, or does a soul want to complete you know we've all had Many, many, many lifetimes, some more than others. You know, the ones that we older souls uh, experience sometimes is, oh my gosh, they're like kindergartners. Why can't they see the way we do? Is because they haven't incarnated as many times as, as us. So if we have, if we're an old soul type, for instance, and we understand a lot more when we come in, sometimes we're more picky about what exact parents uh, we're going to have if those parents are going to stay together or not um, in the course of you growing up. And, you know, sometimes a household that ends up with split parents is exactly what that soul needs to either complete a karma or just to learn 
uh, levels of flexibility and forgiveness, even when they're a child. Um, Some beings who, let's say, want to come in and have a lifetime of athletics are very picky about the parents and genetics and the type of body they get so that they can accomplish their physical accomplishments or at least have the potential to do so. Most beings work with their spirit guides in choosing their gender or their gender preferences, by the way. Their circumstances, such as if they're going to be in a city or in the country, if they're going to be rich, poor, middle middle class, or in some societies, like in India, they have a different class system, what class would you come into? If that soul would like to have high-level challenges or a rest life, or medium level, or even low level challenges. That The low level challenges would be more of a soul who has had lifetimes of high level challenges and they need a, a break. Yes. So, <laughs> so sometimes they would choose a lifetime that they would receive back some of the karma they've um good karma in a sense, yes. where, where things aren't as difficult. And, and also, you know, you talked about the rest life. The mm-hmm. very first time I've ever seen uh, a soul who was here on a rest life, there's a very distinct um, pattern, color and pattern in the soul's aura. Mm-hmm. So in, in the incarnated soul, if you see auras, uh, you'll see this pink slash from uh, the left side, upper left side, you know, ab- above the left shoulder area down to the right hip area, which is <laughs> reminds me of the Miss Universe uh, banner. Yes, they yes. <laughs> but when you see a, a soul with that pink slash that goes across their aura like that, that means that soul incarnated in that lifetime, in this life, is on a rest life. So they're like on a tourist visa <laughs> here. Unlike most of the rest of us who, who have rigorous challenges and, and uh, lessons to learn, even if that soul is in an intense area or a place where lots of action is going on or a lot of things that are not great going on, they just kind of seem to cruise through it. Like they're not touching it. It's, it's like being on a tour bus going through a, a hardcore city uh, and just going, oh, isn't that interesting how people live here? And they they don't engage in that. Uh, and they don't have to learn a whole lot. They don't have to do anything about anything. They just go and they get to just experience and see life as it's going on. And without having to be completely uh, absorbed in the learning, growing process. That's correct. And also um, another level that... Um, a soul will look at is the type of intelligence he or she will have. And when I talked about body type, by the way, it could be a very physically fit body or a body that's going to be born to be in a wheelchair for its lifetime. Yes. And um, usually a soul that is in a wheelchair or has very strong physical challenges um, has one of several levels. Sometimes that's karmic and agreed upon. But most of the time, that soul in that wheelchair, especially one that comes in as a baby that's got lots of physical challenges, they are souls who come in to teach. And they volunteer to take a body like that 
for the purpose of teaching, um, even if they're mentally retarded. You know, mm-hmm. we, we uh, in this society really treasure that high intelligence, what a lot of people do anyway, and sometimes ignore those who, you know, aren't on that scale of intelli- intelligence. But yes, and that's a great example, too, a specific uh, example I've had is um, there was this mother in England that contacted me. This was years ago, and she was very, very distraught. Her whole family, you know, uh, the husband and and another uh, child, was very distraught because her son, who at the time she contacted me was 14 years old, had been diagnosed um, when he was like three or four years old with with leukemia and and um everybody know knows okay he's who knows how long he's gonna live and he's been in and out of hospitals a lot and everything well since uh the diagnosis and the parents and the family start to get all concerned and what do we do and going to hospitals and doctors the boy Clearly, with no emotional, you know, uh, no grief, no no sadness, but very cheerful and happily, he says, no, you don't understand. I'm going to live until I'm 16 years old, flat out. Never changed his position on that. He says, I'm going to live until 16, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, gee, what parents <laughs> wants to hear that their child, they go, he's incredible, bright, capable, beautiful child, and is going to only live till 16. And But his thing is, oh, yeah, I got all these years to work with you. I'm here to teach you. He, he told them that. Well, of course, this mother contacts me and says, only gives me the information about his physical medical condition, is there anything I can do to help heal him? And I took one look at him and I said, well, you're not going to like what I'm going to say, but this is what this soul has come in to do is he's going to, you know, he's going to go. I didn't specify what age he's going to go, uh, you know, earlier than you would like him to go. But he's here as a teacher. He set this whole thing up. He's not going to heal himself from the leukemia. The condition is giving him the props to do the work he came in to do as a spiritual teacher. He's a very capable, aware being. And the number one work he's here to do is with you and your husband. And I said, do you have another child? And she said, yes. And it says, with that with your immediate family. And then, but he's, that's not going to stop there. The reason he's letting you take him to hospitals and stay at length at hospitals uh, is because he wants to teach the, the doctors, the nurses, the orderlies, everyone who comes to attend to him. And he's going to change a fairly good-sized community of people uh, because of his presence and his, his wisdom. And she starts crying and she says, that's exactly what he's been saying since he was six years old or something like that. And, and, uh, and that's when she told me 
you know, he also said he's going to live until 16 and then he's going to, he's going to go. And I said, well, if that's what he's saying, that's probably true. And so, you know, you don't have to uh, get completely stressed out about, you know, how to cure him of his disease. Let him go through his life as he's planned it and really listen and really observe what he's giving to everyone. He knows what he's doing. And we stayed in communication regularly over the internet. But um, two years later, right after his uh, 16th birthday, he says, okay, I'm, I'm all done. It was great being part of the family. I'll be with you in spirit, but I have to go. And she said, in those two years, the entire family, the entire hospital understood what he was doing and learned incredible lessons. And so by the time that his 16th birthday came along and they knew he was getting ready to go, the parents and the immediate family and relatives and friends, many of them, were well-educated. And of course it was sad. Of course, you know, it was uh, difficult for them. But they said, oh, I couldn't have even lived through this had I not known what the plan was. A lot of times a soul like that uh, will come in and even end up in an institutional situation. Why would a soul do that? Well, it could be karmic, but mostly when souls come in to to have some kind of defect in their body or what we call a defect, because really it's, it's not. No. It's exactly the perfect plan sometimes it's simply to teach the caretakers in some institutions some compassion Mm -hmm. and others who come in with different types of let's say being a different kind of a human being you know an aspect of their emotional energy isn't working or um, their their mental capacity is limited and so on they have a gift every single person you see on earth is born with a seed and a gift within them that they can unpack at any time they choose to. And so sometimes we forget, uh, just, just as an example, how valuable every single soul is, even the ones with that are challenged like that. And sometimes especially the ones that are challenged like that. Absolutely. So we're born into or we agree to be born into different situations. And sometimes we do it this way. We come into a lifetime where we're really wealthy and we get to be like the Kardashians and and famous and money and all that kind of stuff. And then you learn that nothing is glamorous in that situation. And and you go back to spirit at the end of your life and you go, I don't ever want to go through that again. (laughs) So you you go to the extreme and you get born into a, a poor family and poor meaning financially poor. I really don't like that. Uh, term poor because a, a financially challenged family is still a very viable family and valuable and for a soul's growth. Wealthy in many other ways oftentimes. Yes, absolutely, like wealthy and love. Some souls come in and they're born just to give love and to teach love. And they do it in so many different forms. I, I know several people who who have children that were born with something called 
angel syndrome. Have you ever heard of that? It's where they smile all the time and they have absolutely no limits about hugging people and so on. And they consider it a kind of a mental condition. But I think usually when a soul comes into an incarnation like that, that's what they want to do is just teach love with abandon. And even though they end up often having to be taken care of for most of their lives because of other uh, issues that go with it, it's an interesting incarnation for a soul to grow in. And for those who are giving care and attending to such a soul uh, that requires physical or mental or some kind of assistance way more than normal, what an incredible opportunity it is for that caregiving soul to learn about unconditional love. It's it's like sometimes uh, pet owners, especially say dog owners, will experience when that dog gets becomes more uh, what would you say have canine dementia or or physically uh, incapable of taking care of themselves, and you're you have a busy life and everything. Yet the the moments the hours you spend with that animal or with that child or with that person who requires your care is so much richer and more valuable than a lot of things that we might do in life. Absolutely. Well, it's time for our second break already. So uh, this is the time I make my announcements for what we're doing. So mark your calendars. We'll be in beautiful Calabasas in the greater Los Angeles area on Saturday, November 30th and Sunday, December 1st. That is the weekend after Thanksgiving. And Michael will be teaching you how to power up your psychic life. Saturday's topic is your mediumship and your spiritual path, psychic tools for discerning your own truth. And Sundays will be meet. Your dream team, angels, spirit guides, and masters of wisdom. Come join us at the Hilton Garden Inn in Calabasas and learn about the importance of your intuition, mediumship, and clairvoyant abilities for being on your spiritual path and how to work with your spirit guides, angels, and masters of wisdom for guidance in your daily life. We'd love to have you there. Get the details and sign up on our website, events calendar section at michaeltamora.com or more easily call our office at 530-926-2650 during normal business hours specific time, Monday to Friday. When we return, we'll continue our exploration of Ready or Not, Here I Come, A Soul's Perspective on Birth. See you in a couple minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Tune in for Five Blossom Radio. Each week, host Denise Richard will discuss common interests in the fields of art, health, and spirituality. The series is arranged into three parts, focusing on Five Blossom Gatherings, the Four Voices Program, and Fires of Compassion. Every program is available on demand, so if you miss any part of the series live, be sure to catch up. Five Blossom Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What makes someone successful in their field? On Transformational Energy Leadership, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey speaks to amazing guests who share their ideas, advice, tips, and tricks as to what defines success for them. The result is positive transformation for you. You'll learn that personal energy is the key to make it work, and you'll hear through actual examples how to bring that positive transformation to life. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Great to have you back. We're exploring today about ready or not, here I come. I'm ready. (laughs) A soul's perspective on birth. Yes, I was ready (laughs) when I was coming in. And, you know, there's certain things that is time-related. And one of the difficult things in planning for a new birth and everything is timing. Because when you're planning in spirit, there's no such thing as time. There's no linear sequence of events. But once you... Hard to imagine, but yeah, once Once you hit... Hit the hit the ground running here on Earth <laughs> in your body. Tick tock. All of a sudden, there's this experience that most of us, you know, are very very familiar with. The experience of one thing happens after the other. Uh, just in verbal communication, that's the only way we can communicate verbally. Is we put one word in front of the other word, and then after the next word and next word, and you have a sentence. And if you do it correctly, people can understand you. Well, everything here in time and space and three-dimensionals existence is like that, but not in spirit. Spirit is whole, limitless, one. It's There's no this and then this and then this. So all that's boom. And then when we come here, we have to put it into time and sequence. So I do remember uh, very much, very, I can't remember exactly what year, what age I was, but I knew, oh yeah, I had to, I had to go live in America, not only in America, of course I was born in Japan, but I had to live, go to California. But by the time I was about 15, uh, mostly through high school, about 15 years old, I realized it's not just 
vaguely go to California. Specifically, I had to go to Berkeley, California. I didn't know exactly why I had to be in Berkeley, California. But it was when I was 12 years old that I realized I got to get there. And it took me from 12 to 16 before I finally had the permission, authority, what I needed to be able to fly to uh, the U.S. on my own and and find a place to live and do everything. And it took a lot of lot of uh, working out because generally parents, families, schools, teachers, principals of schools don't let a 12-year-old just go to a different country <laughs> just because he has a lot of certainty that he has to get there. So I had to come up with a reason. I had to come up with a reason and a, and a purpose, which was, ah, oh, I got accepted to a college and everybody wanted me to go to college. So, and the college was in California, but I couldn't get into the one that was in Berkeley. I had to get into one to get to that school in the next semester. I had to start from Southern California, another branch of that same school. So all these things happen, and but once if you're if you're paying attention, once it happens, you start to realize, okay, this got me here. Now I have to get there, and <laughs> and so that's that's part of the creativity, imagination that we use to realize our plan that we made before our birth. Why did I have to get to Berkeley, California? Was it to go to the college in Berkeley? No, but it was related to school, to education, higher education. That's where I met my spiritual teacher uh, with whom I studied for 20 years. So, so that was, but I didn't know that until I met him. <laughs> but I started to look for one and I just couldn't find one until I got rejected by everybody else. <laughs> so there's there's no mistakes on uh, any of that. It's it's just you know what how you get to bring in that information from spirit inside of you to living it. The answers here in this world. The other thing that happens. Oh, a good example from my last incarnation was in. Uh, Hiroshima as a little girl and that one like the example I gave of the 16 year old boy this one I only had to be here for seven years or eight years or so because most of my work in conjunction with that lifetime wasn't here in the physical world but I had to first be born here have enough time to get kind of grounded here in this world so that upon my death with a whole lot of other people. Of course, why was I born in Hiroshima in that lifetime? Right before, oh, guess what? It was, you know, seven years before the bomb, uh, atomic bomb, first atomic bomb. Why well, was there for that? Ground zero, boom, flash of light, and I'm on the other side. As soon as I get to the other side, I was given a choice by my guide. I can keep on going out and be done with it, or I can 
You know, what would I like? He gave me the choice. What would I like to do at that point? And at that point, in spirit, after I died physically, I realized, oh, yeah, the reason I did this whole thing is to stay here on earth in spirit to help those souls who perished in this pretty horrific way of going, even though it's fast and easy. But once they get across, what was difficult about that for most souls was the way they died. It was such a shock. It went from zero to, you know, 100 miles an hour, so to speak, in no seconds. And they just, the bodies often just vanished. So they didn't have a perspective. And so it was different than many, many kinds of deaths that they may have had prior in prior lifetimes. So I was there to help, along with other souls, help these souls that were in trouble in the spirit world and help them free themselves so that they can go on for another incarnation later. And that was before your incarnation as Michael this lifetime. Well, um, just wanted to remind you, especially you younger folks who are listening to this and sometimes you get a little disgruntled with your parents and so forth, is that one of the things I know for certain is that we get to see and agree to what kind of lifetime we are about to come into. And we have, within the first 18 months, uh, usually the option to withdraw if we're not, if we've decided, you know, once we've come in, oh, I don't want to do this, and, and we leave again. Most people end up staying. And this includes uh, what kind of siblings you have, the agreements and growth you're going to, and karma you're going to work out with those siblings, with your parents, with the teachers, with everybody that you touch in with. And one of the fun things to watch and um, even talk about if you get in a, uh, an awareness discussion with um, some of your friends who are into this, which is what did you, what kind of play did you like most as a child? Because oftentimes that play was the soul remembering what they were going to be um getting into in this lifetime. I had a brother who was, by the time he was five, he could read the encyclopedia and he was into saving the world from asteroid, and he was creating asteroid destroyers Mm -hmm. um, and brought me a little booklet all about it. I have a friend who's, Michael and I have a friend who is a wonderful um, actress and, and fantastic psychic down in the Los Angeles area by the name of Marla Fries, and her first thing that she did for a living for many, many years is was as an actress. And by the way, she wrote the book American Psychic. So, And we have an interview with her uh, in our archives. Oh, yes, we do. Well, she talks about in her book where, as a child, her favorite thing was to get her friends together and do little plays. She would write them, she would produce them, they would get costumes, the whole bit, they would even create a little stage and everything. And that was her getting ready to uh, go to Hollywood, even though maybe as a child it, it just seemed like play and a lot of fun. There was some part of her that was actually aware. And this preparing. Was, and yeah. preparing for it. I remember a woman uh, I knew a long time ago who told me that from the time she was a tiny little child, maybe even three years old, she saw herself as an adult in a business suit. And it was 
her goal to be a businesswoman. Now, we ran into her when she was about 35 years old. Yes, she was an extremely successful businesswoman and loved to wear suits, just like she imagined as a child. But what she didn't know at the time as a child was that she was going to be going on an incredible spiritual path. And so uh, sometimes a child will remember they're here for spiritual reasons, just like the one, uh, the young man that Michael talked about who died at a young age. They come here for spiritual teaching and they know it. And I know as a child I came here, my biggest practice was helping people. That was what I loved to do. I loved to even tune into someone and find out what they needed. And um, in our family, there was lots needed because there were a lot of children. So by the time I was four, I was, an, I was accomplished at changing baby diapers on my <laughs> younger brothers and sisters. By the time I was five, I could chop nuts with a very large knife, the same size knife that I use for chopping, knife, chopping nuts these days. And... Um, I started babysitting on my own, even though it wasn't legal to do so at eight years old, because I had I, I came in as a very responsible child. Not that I, di- I not that I didn't have my faults and, and meltdowns just like any other child, but you know, we come in sort of knowing and from the time early on I started from five years old, as you know, I started having the dreams telling me that my life was going to be very spiritually oriented. So I knew that my entire growing up years. Yes, this is all part of bringing in from your spiritual soul plan that you made during your interim time uh, in the spirit realm. We all make plans and we make plans with, with our guides and teachers and spirit masters. And so we have a committee <laughs> it's planned by committee and and then we come in and we have to on our own we have to know how to bring that information forward best we can one of the difficult things too as a child this thing Raphael said is great that the form of playing that you enjoyed most and love to do and everything that gives you a hint because how else can a child generally bring in the information of what we planned as souls prior to our incarnation, except in our playing is the best part, best way, the most imaginative, creative space to bring in the way we're going to bring in our information. There is one more thing I want to throw in here before we wrap it up here, and that is sometimes children will also Uh, finish playing out things that they didn't finish in their most recent prior lifetime. There's lots of books written about this out there if you look it up, um, where a child will, let's say, have a traumatic death, uh, having died Mm. in an airplane or in a, a war or something like that. So they're sort of working that out. And usually there's a difference there where they come in to heal that trauma in their childhood so that they can... uh, let's say, be grounded and healed and ready to uh, have the life that they actually came in to have beyond that. Anyway, we are already coming to the end of our show. We hope you enjoyed it and gained something valuable from our wonderful time together. Be sure to join us next Wednesday for our show, Growing Up for Souls, Learning to Manage Being Here. We'll 
will explore growing up as children from the soul's perspective. Check out our website events listing for November for the details and to sign up for any of our events listed there. You can also sign up by calling our office at 530-926-2650. We really hope to see you then, including our teleclass coming up on Saturday, November 23rd. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora. We will see you next week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.